Welcome to the new Cat Chat, brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, privately owned by Dr. Elsie, a feline-only veterinarian whose personal mission is to formulate litters that keep cats using the litter box, which keeps them in their loving homes. I'm Tracy Hotchner, the author of The Cat Bible, Everything Your Cat Expects You to Know. My mission is to entertain, educate, and inspire cat lovers like you to give their kitty cats the best possible life in nutrition, affection, and environmental enrichment by interviewing cat authors and experts, some old favorites, some new conversations. Dr. Elsie is also the founding and continuing sponsor of my Cat Film Festival, short films from around the world that celebrate the kitty cat, which will be back in theaters as soon as they reopen. Meantime, thanks to Dr. Elsie's, you can now see streaming versions of the Cat Film Festival for free on Amazon Prime and Tubi TV. This show is also brought to you by Meet Me, where they make organic, humane, raw frozen foods and dehydrated treats on their own rural farm in Virginia. The turkey, chicken, rabbit, and beef are certified organic and humanely raised and processed right on their property. So they control safety and health for animals on their farm and at your home, which is why they say, from farm to bowl. I am so happy to be able to welcome back to the show Dr. David Bruyette. He, if you recall, is the chief medical officer of this extraordinary new pharmaceutical company for pets called Anavive, where they came out with a pill that actually deals with lymphoma in dogs, a pill for cancer. That really blew my mind. And then I discovered that they have many other really extraordinary treatments and diagnostic tools, I guess, that go with the treatments for many other illnesses of dogs and cats. And the ones that interested me a lot were the feline ones because kitties are the underserved creature in our homes. Dr. Bruyette, thank you so much for coming back. And I'm sure you're pretty proud of the work that you're doing on behalf of cats, particularly coronavirus, FIP, and diabetes. So Let's talk about coronavirus FIP and the fact that all these years I've seen it written as coronavirus FIP, and I've always thought of this as FIP, but there's that word coronavirus that's attached to it that now has such a different right. meaning for all of us. So maybe a little bit right. of 101 for us about, we now all call it COVID, but it's a coronavirus, the thing that has decimated a lot of the world's pop human population. It's a certain kind of virus, is it? But this one is a particular one that attacks cats in a particular way? Right, right. Well, first, thanks, Tracy, for having me back. Uh, great source of information, and, and I'm ha very happy to be sharing with you today. Um, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about coronaviruses and cats. So definitely, um, and obviously everyone in the last 15 months has become very familiar with this whole concept. So COVID is caused by a coronavirus. Um, the coronavirus name is SARS-CoV-2. Mm -hmm. And like many other coronaviruses that affect animals uh, and humans, um, these are coronaviruses that are very genetically related to each other. So a decade ago, we had SARS and MERS, and now mm -hmm. most recently we're dealing with uh, you know, the effects of SARS-CoV-2. Cats, um, probably more so than any other uh, pet species that we deal with, are affected with the coronavirus that most people recognize as FIP, feline infectious peritonitis. But it's kind of a different beast. And in fact, uh, we just had calls this morning with the National Institute of Health because we're working to see if we can't advance our FIP treatment into uh, treatment of humans oh my uh, for SARS-CoV-2. 
Wow. So one of one of the things though that's really uh, unique to cats is that cats and dogs all have in their intestinal tract, especially when they're young, what's called an enteric coronavirus. And that's a coronavirus that lives in the GI tract. And most of the time, the virus doesn't do anything. The animals are asymptomatic, or they may just get a mild gastrointestinal illness, and, mm-hmm. which is generally self-limiting and goes away. The problem, though, is that in cats, especially young cats, especially young cats in a crowded situation like a shelter or a cattery, yes, they're under very intense evolutionary pressure. So you have these viruses living in these cats in a crowded condition, and they may even be older cats that are immunosuppressed. And what happens is that these enteric coronaviruses, they continually reproduce and replicate, and they mutate. You know, you hear about all these SARS-CoV-2 variants yes, out there. Yes, yes. Well, the, these, yeah, these GI coronaviruses are mutating all the time. And what happens that is that in a given cat, the GI coronavirus, which is normally very benign, mutates and becomes a virus that is able to leave the intestine and go throughout the body. And when it does that, it causes the clinical signs that, you know, owners and veterinarians diagnose as FIP. And it's, and it's tragic, right? I mean, whenever I've tragic, I mean, people in the rescue world, the, the rescue community, even with some community cats and TNR cats, if they have all been living near yeah. each other, I've had, I think, right. authors on where, I mean, these kittens and these cats just die this tragic, painful, awful death. Oh, I know. Somebody sent a film into the Cat Film Festival about it, Dr. Dave. And it was just, I mean, the people were so devastated because the cat just gets incredibly sick and dies. And we all forget right. how many diseases there are that cats can get for which... Right now, there, there isn't even a treatment. By the time it's diagnosed, the cat is on their way to across the Rainbow Bridge, right? Well, exactly. And, you know, we know from some really good work that, that Niels Peterson and others have done that, you know, FIP is, in, is just so incredibly common. You know, it's estimated yes. that one in, one in 200 to one in 300 cats die of FIP worldwide every year. Oh, my. And there have been no treatments available for... FIP, just as, I, as we all know, there have not been any treatments out there to treat coronaviruses in humans. So right. it's a huge, a huge unmet need in both the human and the veterinary profession. So this is an interesting part of the of Anavive that that really interested me when I first learned about your company. You're finding treatments or cures for unmet veterinary needs. And a lot of us on the receiving end of care, you know, people say, oh, I don't know if I should vaccinate my kitten or my puppy. And uh, those of us that have seen what parvo and distemper and, and rabies can do to animals are like, right. please vaccinate. Right. But so many, mm-hmm. so many dogs and cats are vaccinated against the things that treatments have been found for or cures or preventions that we don't realize how many devastating illnesses there are out there. And FIP is one that has just confounded the med- the veterinary medical profession for a long time. It seems to me the Morris Animal Foundation was trying to research it for years. Many great entities yeah. and great minds. You are in the process at your company of coming up with a prevention or is it a cure? It's a treatment. It's a treatment for cats that are infected with FIP. We, we think that 
based on, so basically what it is, it's an antiviral drug that works to prevent the virus from reproducing. I see. And so by, by inhibiting the enzymes that are involved in viral reproduction, you can really dramatically decrease the viral load and if not completely eradicate the virus from the cat. So our drug GC376, that's the antiviral that we're bringing forward is a protease inhibitor. And based on some work that we've done with, again, with uh, Niels Peterson's group at UC Davis, we've been able to demonstrate the drug's highly active in cats with both forms. So remember, you know, the FIP comes in, in two varieties. Right. There's the, you know, the wet form where the cats get these fluid accumulations in their chest and abdomen. And then this, what's called the dry form, which are really sterile like abscesses that form in the kidney, the liver, and unfortunately also in the central nervous system, which makes it very, very difficult to treat. So, you know, we've shown that the drug that we're uh, bringing forward is highly effective in, in both of those cases, that cats, especially with the effusive form of the disease, you may be able to actually cure them of their disease uh, after just a, you know, a few weeks of treatment. And the cats with the dry form of the disease are harder to treat because it is inside their central nervous system. But we have seen good long-term responders in that group as well. Very interesting that, and, and it's so valuable and important and celebratory that the National Institute for Health, which looks after human health, is able to know what a small startup, I mean, you know, compared to the size of big companies in the world, Anavive yep. is doing and say, hello, you guys could be doing this groundbreaking research on behalf of cats, which makes cat lovers and cat veterinarians very happy and relieved. But to think of right. the millions of humans who, when they've gotten the COVID virus. Some of them have neurological damage, and so far it may never resolve. Right. I mean, it goes to their central nervous right. system. The unlucky ones, who at least are lucky they lived, so to speak. Mm -hmm. So it's really quite amazing that this work that you're doing within your bubble of research, it, that the outside world that are doing their research right. in other ways is aware of what you're doing. It's got to make you feel kind of proud or something, I would think. Well, yeah. Well, for sure. It's very, very exciting. I mean, you know, in talking with our colleagues on the human side, you know, a coronavirus is a coronavirus, right? And, That's right. You know, veterinar veterinarians have been familiar with coronaviruses for, you know, a hundred years. And we, we've understood how these viruses mutate very commonly and how it can be difficult, uh, you know, to treat or eradicate these types of infections. But you know, what we see now is that uh, an increasing recognition, like when we talked about lymphoma, Yes. you know, an increasing recognition that human diseases and animal diseases oftentimes are not that far apart. And the best way to understand a human disease is to find a counterpart on the dog and cat world where you have a naturally occurring disease, which is probably a much better model for the disease than trying to experimentally, you know, reproduce it. So, yeah, we're we're very excited about the possibilities, both for cats uh, and for people. You know, we're we're all excited that it seems like this wave of the epidemic is is abating, but everyone's afraid, and probably, you know, with good reason yes. that some other viral pathogen will, you know, rear its head and come forward. So especially I think everybody for, wants to be yeah, in a better position, especially for the people yeah. who still continue to 
refuse vaccination in the richest country in the world where right. we have this <laughs> this great good fortune of, of being yeah. able to offer it to everyone and have it going bad when people out of complete sheer ignorance are refusing it. Ignorance on a primitive yeah. kind of tribal, <laughs> you know, like, oh, I don't even, you know, read yet way. And then there's countries all mm. over the world where people are dropping and, you know, if right. only, if only right. we had enough for them. So it's very exciting for the work to, to be done. And, and that, and, and as you point out, these all the animals in all of your trials, true of all veterinary, all, no, not all, a lot of veterinary research, is animals that already are suffering with the disease, be it right. cancer or FIP. You don't, you don't create it in them like we used to think they did to monkeys or mice in laboratories. These are animals already with right. the disease presenting. It, but it's sort of like clinical trials in humans for cancer, which unfortunately mm -hmm. it sort of feels like the horse is usually out of the barn by then. The person already has right. the disease. They haven't had any kind right. of treatment, and now there's a clinical trial, and you might get a placebo, and you might get the trial. And it's kind of emotionally right. devastating, and, and who knows if, in terms of medicine, it's it still seems kind of in the dark ages compared to what you're doing. I, I want to talk about that extraordinary young sure. man that you referred to when we talked about Laverdia, your, your lymphoma treatment, the young man who heads up the, the kind of brain trust of Anavive. And can and has these amazing programs and code and computers that can look through everything. So the enzymes right. that cause these coronaviruses, or at least the FIP, you mentioned enzymes, is that one of the things that he can write code to look at and find and shop and compare? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and Cody Arbuckle, you know, as our chief technology officer, that's that's really a big part of his job. So, for instance, when you're looking at coronaviruses, you know, the first thing you want to look at is, is that, what, you know, what makes a normal coronavirus work? You know, how does it reproduce? And then you go, okay, this is how a normal virus works. Well, is that different in a virus that causes a bad disease like COVID-19? And then try to look at, well, what are potential targets for drugs that might interfere with some of those key processes? You know, there's a couple of different enzymes. Which enzyme's better than another enzyme to target a drug for? Or maybe you want to target both. Maybe it makes sense to target both enzymes. Because you know, if you look at treatment for HIV, you can remember back when the first HIV treatments, you know, were fairly primitive and yes. there was only one drug. That's and right. then there became com combination drugs. And now the drugs can be combined into one pill. And, you know, I think what's going to happen with coronavirus infections is that we will get to a point where maybe the best way to treat folks is with a combination of therapies and in basically turn it into something that's going to either be a kind of a more chronic illness or turn it into something that you can actually cure by combining drugs with different mechanisms of action. So, yeah, one of one of Cody's big jobs is to help us find compounds that will do those things. That's really interesting, the, the comparison to HIV AIDS, because I had a friend who died. There was a hospital in New York where all the AIDS patients went to die, and it's, it's since been closed, but it was just really heartbreaking because that combination mm -hmm. therapy, which if I recall was something like 10 different pills a day at different times, right. came out only... Right very shortly after he died. And so the people that had HIV, or even, I don't know if some of them even had full-blown AIDS, that th those drugs in combination could either extend their lives or extend the quality of their lives. 
And then at some point, as, as you say, the great scientists doing that were able to put it into one pill that, that kept it at bay. So you remained HIV yeah. positive mm-hmm. without becoming without having AIDS. Is that sort of what right. this this can do for for cats with the FIP? Well, I think that's what we're going to be looking at is that, you know, if if they cannot be cured of their disease with treatment, can you at least control the disease with treatment? You know, can we turn it into a chronic illness right. you know, like diabetes, which yes. we're going to talk about in a little bit? You know, right. if and I think if pet owners similar to the HIV world, if you can give your cat something, your cat gets diagnosed with FIP even if it needed to take something long-term to control it, I think that that would still be a huge win for gigantic. pet owners, for the cat, for the vet. Yeah, It would be gigantic because right now it's a death sentence, pure and simple, straight up. Correct. Kiss that kitty Correct. goodbye, and do you euthanize before the cat starts suffering more than it's already suffering? I mean, that, that becomes your only right. course of action. And I think that right. that what you're, what you're doing at Antivive is pretty amazing because it is looking at call them orphan diseases, even if they affect an enormous number of pets in the population, there simply hasn't Mm -hmm. been either the brains or the brawn or the money to look at either more interesting ways of dealing with it or effective ones. In either case, you're doing it. We've run out of time, Dave, and I definitely want to have you come back because I know you're studying diabetes too, which is a giant part of, of what goes on with cats and and a misunderstood, in my opinion, disease, misunderstood <laughs> by both vets and and cat owners. But I'm dying for you sure. to come back and talk about that. In okay. the meantime, this work with FIP is incredible. And if you can help the human COVID situation at the same time, good golly. I think that's time for some July 4th fireworks, although <laughs> that was just a little while ago. Thank you so much for all you all right. guys are doing. and. And just tell Cody and his computers and his software, keep up the great work. Will do. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks for listening to Cat Chat. I hope this conversation has deepened your understanding and appreciation of cats everywhere. It's been brought to you by Dr. Elsie's, which created their own clean protein foods inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. I recommend that wet food should always be your cat's primary diet, but clean protein also comes as a dry food, the first one I would recommend if you want to feed dry, even as part of your cat's diet. This show is also supported by Cat Water, specially formulated to appeal to cats, chlorine-free, ozonated, and lightly acidic, to encourage them to drink more to promote urinary tract health and the ideal pH.